Welcome to Bros Biryani and Beyond, episode 16, and it's your host, Adarsh, as always, and it is sad boy hours in the studio. It's just just me and, uh... Myself, Jason. Okay. And so today, we're going to be going off of Jason's prompts, because, uh, I don't actually have all that much, just like two episodes ago. So, take the stage. Sure thing. So... Uh, I just I just kind of have like a short list of things to talk about, and one of those things is cars. So I'm not really like a like a car guy per se, um, but recently I did get a car, so that's sort of a new development in my life. That's pretty exciting, um, and I really like it because it's kind of an old car. But it's have you given her a name? It's, no, not yet. Okay. I mean, I've only had it for a week. Okay. Um, and I also don't know its gender yet. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean. So the reason I said her is because traditionally ships are usually female, and I feel like that extends over to cars for the most part. Any any machine or vehicle. <laughs> but uh, it's a 2000 white Chevy Impala. Okay. My grandparents used to own it, and then they got a new car. Um, See, I, I can picture the Chevy Malibu with like the, the twin taillights in the back. The Chevy Impala... This kind of has like a, like a taillight strip, but like... Only the ends light up. Oh, oh, those that's sick. Yeah, no, I think I know. Yeah. It's not like a typical light setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the light bar. Wait, let me, let me. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty surprised because it has some features that like you might not even find on some cars. Is today. it stick or automatic? It's automatic. Okay. Like it has some pretty wait developed features for a car from 2000. Like I think there's something in the in the uh, rear view mirror uh-huh. um, that like my dad was telling me you can activate it and it can connect to some sort of garage system to open up oh yeah garage. yeah and wait you mean like this right yeah that's a car yeah yeah okay that's what I meant I, I thought it was a Malibu yeah that, the back is so sick yeah I really like the uh, the spoiler oh yeah the little it's called a spoiler yeah well I, I okay so they're both spoilers and wings they're very similar words, and they're located on very similar parts of the car. They do different things, right? Um, a wing reduces drag. A spoiler increases down... No, no, no. A spoiler reduces drag by br- breaking turbulent airflow, whereas a wing creates downforce at higher speeds, I believe. It, it may be the other way around, but they do serve mildly different purposes. Okay. Uh, so I guess I would have the... Spoiler? spoiler, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, it's just like every time I look into the rearview mirror and see that spoiler. Hey, exactly I've cool. made it. Yeah. <laughs> the boys have made it. Okay. So, talk us through getting the car or like... like um, you, getting the car was really uneventful because like we had so, it. Yeah. We kind of had it for a while. It just sort of like phased into my use. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister used to, used to drive it around. Um... She used to live um, like in the Boston area, yeah. um, and then she moved away to uh, to New York. So, not really any use for a car after that mm-hmm. move. And so I got it after after that. Um, Do you have any memories of the car from what from its previous owners? Uh, yes. So the inside of the car smells like stale PB and J sandwiches. I can I can imagine that yeah yeah and uh, the reason why is because that's kind of a lot of what was going on in there eating the the production and consumption of sandwiches, um, and so uh, we used to have houses on the Cape, uh, both grandparents on my mom's and dad's side, okay. um, and so the car originates from my um, my dad's parents, um, right, and so yeah, I have fond memories of sitting in that car and driving around. Um, going to the beach and whatnot. Okay. So, I, I I don't know if I've mentioned this to you or to the podcast before, but I'm a bit of a car nerd. So, for me, like, I've got, like, a, a whole list of, of, like, first cars that I'd be into. And, like, what I would... So, I mean, it, it's funny. It's funny because I, I, I haven't even gotten my permit. Well, I at this point, it's not a permit because I'm 18. I haven't gotten my license or anything. Jail. Oh, yeah. 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 But, um... For me, I think my dream car. Actually, this, I may have said this on like the first episode. It's like a a yellow Honda S two thousand with like a hard top. 
Um, it's like normally, yeah, it's like normally a convertible. It's like a little coupe, or, or it's it's actually very Miata-esque, and a, a Miata is not off of the first car list, like a Mark One Miata, yeah, like the the really old ones, very light, nimble cars. But well, that's a that's a sleek looking car. Yeah, and it's it's actually not all that expensive. But with um, like a hard top. With a hard top. Yeah, yeah like so. You, there's basically a bolt-on hard top that, that you can buy aftermarket. That actually looks really cool because, like the, I guess like where the where the driver sits, is that called a cockpit? Cars. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, I guess the plane terms apply. But the aviation terms. Whatever it is, it's positioned really far back, so it looks kind of cool. Yeah, like the long hood. Yeah. yeah, I get that. So I guess where I was gonna go with that was our modifications off of the. <laughs> Have, have you considered that at all? Modifications. Um, I don't really know enough, or at least I don't know enough yet about the car to do any technical modifications. But something as simple as like a bumper sticker. Oh, I mean, uh, maybe. I, I kind of, I, I really like how it looks. Clean. So I'm okay. sort of, I'd be very cautious about bumper stickers, not yeah. to say I wouldn't do it. Uh -huh. um, I think the most radical I'd go to right now would be like an air freshener or like some cool thing dangling from the Yeah. Fuzzy dice. Yeah. <laughs> to be like the ultimate sketchy guy move, like driving around in your 20-year-old car. Yeah. Like the fuzzy dice. 20-year-old white Chevrolet. It's older than I am. Shit. Yeah. I mean, it's not really a first car if it's not older than you are, in my mind. I think that's the quintessential Maybe, yeah. first car. But, I mean, that's like, by the time you turn 18, that's like really difficult to maintain. Yeah. Really? I'm surprised that we still have it on the road, I guess. I think that, okay... I think that uh, cars older than 18-year-olds um, used to be really rare because rust-proofing was really shitty. But then I think after the 1980s and 1990s-ish, the Japanese cars started flooding the American market, which amped up the rust protection and overall reliability of cars. So I think that starting... I think this is probably actually the golden era for having cars older than you are because the 2000s are pretty nice. Yeah. That's, that's that's so cool though. I, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but I mean, it's technically an antique. Yeah, it probably is. Damn, antique is like twenty years old. Is it? Is that really the official? I think so. The official term. Wow. <laughs> My antique Chevrolet Impala. I, yeah. I. So I, I sort of like have a fetish for really really old cars. Okay. Like cars from like the like the thirties. Yeah. Um. Um, I'm trying to... God, I'm blanking. There's there's so many... The Packer 21, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, um, I don't know, like, a couple of designs, I, I, I was just, like, looking at a couple of the designs, and uh -huh. some of them are really forward-looking in terms of the, like, the, the, the design of, like, the body. Yeah. So, like, you look at it and think it's, like, from the 60s or something. Like, the, like the Tatra cars of that time. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't oh, exist today, but yeah, totally. The design for that, like the design for one of their first cars, um, had a very big influence on the the, the VW Beetle. Like the basically the the design for that was stolen from the the Tatra design. Um, I feel like I've seen some of these cars before, but I guess while we're while we're on this, what is your perspective on um, not retro futurism, but just retro designs, like? An example examples being the Chevrolet Camaro, the Ford Mustang as we know it today. It, oh yeah. Um, Dodge Challenger is a big retro design because it's got that like squared off front. Um. I mean, I guess if it looks cool, I don't see any like. Actually, wait. I'll I'll give you some less cool versions of uh, retro design. I mean, that... the Dodge the Dodge Challenger. I'm just looking at pictures right now. It. I mean. I can see how it'd be seen as retro, but it also looks very sleek and modern too. Mm -hmm. So, um, the Chevrolet HHR um, and the PT Cruiser, PT Cruiser, the, Chev uh, the Chrysler PT Cruiser, are retro cars, but they're ugly shit. For a the Chevrolet HHR is not a good looking. It's not. It doesn't seem to be a very good looking car as a, as a retro. And then, it's not that retro, I mean. Oh, no, no, it's not retro in, in terms of how old it is. It's retro in terms of the style. Yeah, in terms of design. 
Yeah. I think cars are, are, are so cool because you, you, you're familiar with Jay Leno and his garage, right? Yeah. Um, like, people who, people who aren't super into cars can, can, like, vibe with, like, how, how crazy he is about them. Because he's got, like, a multi-million... Like, a, compared to his net worth, his cars are a large percentage of, of his worth. Yeah. Which is wild. Do you have a dream car? Um, like, some... And, like, I guess almost any, like, really old car. Mm. Um, yeah. An old school Beetle? I feel like that's the maybe. most attainable old car. Yeah, maybe so. And also, I guess, maybe among the old cars, like, one of the more reasonable ones in terms of driving, mm -hmm. feel, and so on. Um, yeah. It's a tough balance to have. I think my dream car, like, my dream end game car, as in, like, I'm midlife crisis. Hmm. This is tough. A Nissan Skyline. They actually look... If you look up the R34 Skyline, from the back it looks very similar to your car. It's a very ordinary looking car, but it, it's... It's very... It's a, it's a very, like, tunable... Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's got the quad taillights. Oh yeah, it does. Except, yeah... Except I think with mine, there's just like, just like a bar, and then like yeah, the quad the quads are out of there. Yeah, yeah, it's not exactly like yours. Hmm. <laughs> All right. What what else do we have in terms of topics? So we could, um, maybe like movies. Okay. I see recently because I think you'll be. Uh, be more reasonable to talk with, um, talk about movies with than, than Tom would be. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you and Tom seem to always get into like, or you all seem to always butt heads when it comes yeah. to movies. Um, that was like the that was like as far as they got into the last episode, pretty much. Yeah. But have you, have you seen any good ones? Um, I have. I, I did get a chance to see Ford vs Ferrari last weekend. I I personally liked it a lot. Um. Wait, you did? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I personally did, yeah. Um, I, I heard Tom's take on it. I don't know. I, I, I think I... I've heard criticisms of, of Matt Damon's role as Carol Shelby, because he, he looks nothing like Carol Shelby. Yeah, and, and the Christian Bale doesn't really yes. look that much like Ken Miles either. Oh, no, he, he totally does look like Ken Miles. With the glasses really? on? Yeah. Um, I felt like Ken Miles looked like a little bit more scrawny. Possibly. I mean, I don't know if it's the... They do this a lot, but like they show the picture at the of, of the actual person that they're portraying, like in the end credits. Mm -hmm. It's not too unlike. I think it's closer. Uh, uh, that's, that's true. Substantially closer than Maybe Carol Shelby. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's possible. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's some other good movies I've watched recently. But I think with uh, like one of the things that immediately struck me with Ford vs Ferrari is like how, like how how safe it is. Because like, I think a lot of movies today that come out have um, a big twists and something. Well, just something of like an agenda to push in terms in terms of um, advancing like social justice in one mm -hmm. way or another. Sure. I mean, yeah, I feel like which isn't bad. It's not, yeah. I'm not saying it's bad. Sure. I'm just saying that it's like. A, um, it pervades the actual the, the movie's yeah, maybe role some, as a cinema. Maybe at some points, but it's just like a uh, sort of like like a big difference to to be exposed to one of these movies that doesn't. Really I think that yeah, sure. Like I think a lot of movies have gone for uh, like social commentary and stuff. I don't think all all good movies or even in the past decade have gone that route. I think there have been plenty of just plain old like. Fun, fun flicks. Um, Do you think it's more than than what's expected, or less? Like there's been a decline in. I think there's been there's been fewer like 
fun just for shits and giggles movies. Like, um, I don't know if you're familiar with um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Is that like the, the teddy bear? No. Mm-hmm. Oh, that that is another... Re- that's, that's just called Ted. Yeah, well, yeah, that's Ted, but uh, it's Keanu Reeves and... Uh, wait here. Uh, Bill and Ted... Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is Keanu Reeves and uh, Alex Winter, and they're like two metalhead slacker kids who like travel through time. This is like in the late 80s. It's it's the absolute epitome of just a fun movie that like Ferris Bueller, you know what I mean? Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So it's just like movies with like, like stoner movies, kind of, sort of. Yeah, just like fun movies to vibe to. Yeah, totally. I, I, I totally get, get yeah, what you're saying. There is less of that nowadays. Um, but maybe that's why a movie that like Ford vs. Ferrari that doesn't really attempt to create any social commentary is like a breath of fresh air in mm-hmm. some ways. I get that, yeah. Yeah, um, I think there's been more, I think there's been more like tasteful social commentary movies. Because, like, if you look towards like earlier films, like, way earlier, um, uh, what is it, the movie about marijuana in, in, like, 1950s, Reefer Madness, it's like a propaganda film, almost, I think that, is that, like, a documentary, or a, it's like a, it's a faux documentary that, like, has, like, no. a narrative arc to it, like, yeah, you, you remember when the German teacher was talking about that in, in Germany, right, in response to your presentation, well, uh, in the, in the English, in the English class. class, yeah, wait, I don't really remember, he was like, yeah, no, has anybody here seen Reefer Madness? It's this, like, faux documentary wow, about... I did, I did not pick up on this. Uh, uh, but... um, and he was like, yeah, no, it's, um, like, or he, he, when, you, when you were talking about jazz and how it's, like, really, pro- like, or, and, um, in, in one era, how it was pr- provocative, um, like, about, like, marijuana and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and you, like, played the Wiz Khalifa track. <laughs> <laughs> And then um, he's like, "Yeah, no, reefer madness." It's a, but I, th- I think that moving pa- moving beyond that style of filmmaking, I think films have gotten significantly better in how they handle social commentary, yes. and that it's not invasive. But uh, and even if not, even if like the, the specific um, intent of the movie isn't like about social commentary, um, it's still embedded in in a lot of movies. Yeah. Um, the ones for me that come to mind are like the, the almost I don't, I don't want to say arbitrary per se, but like the spin-off movies that are just like all female, like Oceans Eight or Nine. Um, I think it's Eight. Ghostbusters. Yes, the ghost all female Ghostbusters. Like I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I am all for like female roles that like break norms and are like leading roles. And but my thing is, it's just the old movies, except. They're all females and not males, like just for the sake of doing so. They don't. There's nothing. There's no plot that hinges off of that per, per se. It's um. I don't know. I think it's um a corporate cash out almost in this day and age. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What's it? What's your favorite movie that you've seen in the past year? I, I don't remember past, if you've gone, gone over this. Yeah. I haven't seen a ton of movies this year, but. Maybe 1917, mm. which the one take was featured. In. Yeah, it was. Saw that a couple of weeks ago. I really, really liked it. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of detail, um, in terms of both detail, like on the set, like in the in the setting, yeah, um, that's portrayed in, in detail. In terms of the the actors themselves, it's unparalleled to any war movie I've seen. Yeah. I think that, um, how do you think it's, maybe this this may not be an apples to apples comparison, but how do you compare 1917 to Dunkirk in terms of cinematic mastery? Have you seen Dunkirk? Yeah, I've seen it a couple times. Um, I really like both movies. Um, Yeah, no doubt, they're they're amazing movies. I I, kind of like, I don't know, I kind of like Dunkirk more. Okay. um, Because it sort of hit a soft spot for me. Which is something that, like, um, I really, like, I'm drawn to is, like, um, early aviation or, like, uh, early, like, military aviation. So, yeah. like, when they show, like, those um, those fighter scenes, mm-hmm. that that was really cool. And it's not, they don't, like, do that in any other movie. 
you'd be hard pressed to actually find like a scene like that in in any other movie that is also makes any attempt to portray realism, any yeah. level of accuracy or okay. realism. Yeah, because I, I was I was thinking there's definitely been movies about the Red Baron, but they're well, yeah. probably not too accurate. I mean those. Yeah, I mean um, there were a few. I think there was like one or two. If I'm not mistaken. I don't. I haven't seen many of those. But, yeah, nor nor have I. Yeah, I, I just thought it was very unique in that sense. Um, so yeah, I, d I did like Dunkirk more than 1917. How did how do they compare overall, like in terms of? Because I think they take very different perspectives to how they portray war. Not not in, not really, in, like their portrayal so much. Actually, it's more in like the mediums and details that they choose to use. Because Dunkirk has, I think Hans Zimmer, for um, the soundtrack, and yes. there's like. Um, there's like the, the sound has the sound um, the soundtrack I think has more of a presence in Dunkirk than it does in yeah. 1917. Okay. Um, but still it it's also like a, plays a very big role in 1917 too. Like I think mm -hmm. one critic described it as like almost a separate character in the movie because it mimics the movie so closely. Wow, okay. Um, I think 1917 involves more of a of a commentary against war, uh -huh. more symbolism, um, implicitly showing why it's bad than Dunkirk does, which seems to be more of just like a portrayal of these people moving through the setting. Yeah. Does hmm. Doesn't Dunkirk also have like an anti-war um, undertone? Yeah, it does. Like it seems like it's sort of too. it's sort of hard to make a movie nowadays that's not anti-war. Yeah, or a, a war movie that's not anti-war, you mean? Yeah, yeah, a war movie. Or, like, any movie. <laughs> <laughs> any movie. Well, yeah, any any war movie that's not anti-war. Like, that seems kind of like an old thing to make a pro-war war movie. Propaganda. Um, or yeah, like, glorious Hollywood war film. <laughs> um, but, um, wait, what was your question? How, how does Dunkirk in 1917... How do they stack up? But I think you've answered that actually. Oh yeah, yeah. So wait, you you mentioned a couple weeks ago that you had a, a like a stockpile of quotes. Um, I, yeah, I um I do sometimes write down quotes. Okay. Just like because I feel like a quote-driven discussion could be really interesting as as sure, compared sure. necessarily to a prompt-based. So yeah, I mean we can like go through and like uh, yeah critique these or talk about them. Uh, I so you could read them or I could read them. Um, either is fine. Um, do you want to? Yeah, sure, for sure. In time, one realizes that the living are far more haunted than the dead. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. I think the vibe I get off of that is um. The dead are dead, and like dead men tell no tales, whereas the living do, and so they're haunted by the past because they have the ability to communicate outwardly that hauntedness. What was that in response to? Was that was that like a was the quote not? I was just thinking like yeah, kind of like what you're saying, like when somebody dies, um, we often view them like a. A really positive light. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, I like that. Yeah. it's like when when um, it's like that's not haunted at all. Yeah. Like if you think back, if you think to any like family member or anybody you knew or family knew, totally that's passed and they're viewed in a very positive way. Uh, whereas people that are alive and all around us, you can see like all their bad motivations mm -hmm. and intentions. Um, Wow. Always try curiosity before commitment. Hmm. Curiosity before commitment. I think that that sounds like dipping your toes in before you dive. So yeah, I guess it's like probing the probing the waters yeah. before you like jump all into full send cause or something. Yeah. I think that 
I think that um, the weight of commitment inherently pushes people to be curious, if that makes any sense. Right? Because commitment is a is it's like a, a semi-permanent thing, I think. Like an example? I don't know, like relationships and stuff. Like, I feel like... I feel like there's a lot of like, okay, don't jump into that, you know, commitment, you're stuck in, um, or y you will be like stuck in whatever your your choice is, so make the choice carefully. Oh, yeah. Like a longevity, I like guess. You have to commit to something in order to stimulate curiosity. Hmm. So it's curiosity. That's not, that's not what I was like intending to say, but it's kind of gone off what you were saying. That's interesting. Wait, well, what exactly did you or what exactly did this quote originally mean? I don't, I don't really know. I don't usually think about most of the quotes. I don't like to think about that much. Okay, like, these, these are just your, like your dramatic, shower thoughts, right? It's like a dramatic phrase that comes into my head. And okay, I, write this down. I like that. Music is the wind chime of memory. So this is not my quote. There's like I think two quotes in this list. Yeah, and those have quotation marks on them. They're they're not. Yeah, there are two that aren't mine. That's one of them. Um, somebody who I don't know the name of, but was in a documentary about music that I was watching, said that, and I like the It's a wind chime memory. What, what exactly do you perceive that to mean? Because I'm drawing a blank. Because, uh, like, yeah, I mean, it seems sort of, like, a uh, difficult parallel to draw, but, um, like, if you listen back to any, any song when you were much younger, mm -hmm. then that kind of brings back all the memories that are associated with it as well. And um, th this guy was saying it in um, in the context of himself being older, and so I think it becomes more applicable as you age, um, and then you listen back to the music of your youth, and it kind of also brings back the, um, the all those memories around it. I think that's true because um, I know that um, as humans we we tend to imprint our memories with like sensory stimula stimulation and like cues and stuff right so i feel like the same applies for like scents and like tastes like yeah. have you wait you, you know the scene in ratatouille yes where where the dude just eats the um wait it's like the all black screen it's like the yeah whoosh. <laughs> and he's like suddenly at, at, like he's a kid and his mom's calling him oh and, yeah yeah like um jeez i don't even remember the the critic's name I was thinking of something there. I was thinking like when he's trying like the cheese and the grapes. You see the colors on the screen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that too. Uh, I was thinking. Yeah, I was thinking the end scene where like the the, the, point. the critic is like eating the the. I think it literally is ratatouille that he's eating, uh, and he just like takes he like takes like the the vegetables. And he's like, like <laughs> it touches his lips and then his eyes widen and like a rat <laughs> made that spe spectacular ratatouille. Therefore, his mom must have been a rat. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, I think that sensory details definitely do, um, they, they do trigger memories and stuff. And I have a whole playlist in Spotify of, of, of music that I've, like, haphazardly com uh, compiled. Hold up. Is that Andrew? Wait, wait here. Okay. Welcome to the show. So, probably just sit and watch. Okay. Uh, yeah. Totally chill. So yeah, this is this is the podcast today. It's, it's awfully lonely since uh, Lex is out shopping for, uh, for, for dinner tonight. Mm. Um, kinder eggs, but not kinder eggs. Yeah. Big kinder eggs. Or stick or bueno bars rather. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Ooh. So right now we're going through a list of quotes that Jason's compiled um, over time, and we're kind of just like dissecting them. So the last one we read was "Music is the wind chime of memory." Mm. Not my quote. So yeah, sorry. This is off of a here. But yeah. Yeah. 
So, what, what do you think about that? Music being the wind chime of memory. I, I said something along the lines of like sensory cues just being super. I mean, for me personally, like recently, I've been smelling a lot of things that like remind me of something. Like I'll be just like walking. What does that mean? <laughs> well, no, like I'm just like I'm just like walking, and then I like, you know, like you like subconsciously smell something, and it like reminds you of something. Yeah. That's what I don't know. I guess that's kind of similar to what I don't know if that's similar. But. Is that a recent development in your life, or? I mean, I'm noticing it like much more. Like I like smell something, and I'll be like, hey, that like reminds me of like, I don't know, like a place, something faint, like deja vu. Time. Yeah. I think music has the same thing, maybe. For I think it's different for different people. Yeah, I, I think, yeah. Maybe it also depends on how familiar you are with that medium. Like, for me, I'm not very familiar with music, so, like, maybe the very specifics of, of music, like the mechanics, don't elicit memories, whereas, like, say someone, like a master chef, like Alexa, <laughs> that, like, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, like, a taste gives her, like, more vivid memories than... Well, I actually think, like, just across the board, for everybody, music is less effective at conjuring up. Less or more? Less. Less. Than uh, something like smell. Specifically smell, I guess. Because the reason why I say this is because it's, it's more difficult to conjure up a specific smell than it is to conjure up a specific mm. sound. Mm, okay. So whenever you, like, smell that smell... It's been a really long time since you've been smell. exposed it smells to... smelly. <laughs> yeah. Smelly smell. Yes, that smell. It's been a really long time since you've been exposed to it. Okay. Whereas yeah, with music, like, you're constantly being exposed to it whenever you imagine that sure. melody in your head. So. Right. And it's easier to, like, well, for me at least, it's easier to, like, pinpoint, like, you hear music, like, oh, yeah, it's that song. But, like, when you smell something, like, that you don't know, it's, like, harder to say, like, where you exactly remember it from. Really? You don't name every smell that you encounter. <laughs> I have like an index in my now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and like so, so I'm like wondering if you like, do, are you guys thinking about like music as in like music you've already heard bringing back memories, or like new music that reminds you of something you've already? I think it's probably music you've already heard. Yeah, but like for me, like so, like I was new a lot of music in like certain periods of my life, and then I'll, like put them all on a playlist, but yeah. then when I hear them again, I'll be like, oh, like, I remember, like, this is when I was doing, like, this thing. Totally. You know? Yeah. No, I, I definitely get that as well. Um, I have a playlist in Spotify that's just, it's, like, chronologically ordered, um, just music sound bites and stuff. Um, like, stuff that reminds me of, like, either good or, like, bad memories. Mm -hmm. I, I just recently made a, um, a Spotify playlist um, about with, with songs in it from like when I was really really young uh -huh. that I had not probably heard for like almost fifteen years. Yeah, yeah. it's almost surreal listening to that stuff after such a long time. Yeah, nostalgic. Totally, nostalgia is crazy as a whole. Um, I think it's a good feeling or a bad feeling. I, I think it, well, nostalgia inherently I think is a positive feeling, mm. but um, it's just crazy how strong it is, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I'm really skeptical of it, um, largely because I, I'm also really nostalgic. Okay. So it's like, what, like naturally, if there's a force that influences you so much, you know what it is, I think a lot of people would question it. Um, so, I mean, when you think back to like any time in your life, um, or ba I mean, basically, just boil down to it is right now is going to be a nostalgic time later. Yeah, it doesn't feel that way now. Mm. Okay. So when you think back and you're like, "Oh, those were simpler times," <laughs> like they weren't really because you could have thought the same thing then. Sure. Yeah. Right. That's interesting. Um, let's see. Next quote. There's something. There's something to be said for a person who knows the truth. Hmm. I feel like I feel like that is is there more than just the surface here or yeah, yeah it's kind of like intending like that one um, I I don't think that the truth is valued a lot today hmm. today's like, oh sorry in this day and this day and age specifically or yeah so when somebody knows what the actual truth is then that's valuable. Hmm. 
I think that um, having like a, a larger amount of, of perspectives on everything kind of blurs opinion from truth inherently, right? I, I think that's probably what you're getting at, in that like there's so many there's so many like false narratives out there that knowing the true one is is more impressive than it was in the past. Yeah. yeah. You are really nostalgic. What? <laughs> you are really nostalgic. Wait, how do you know? No, 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 because, like, that, that, that's a very nostalgia-minded thing to be like, yeah, I know, oh, man, back in the day when people used to know the truth, when it was more yeah. common. I mean, it's not like when I was, like, five or six, I was like, this is, this is awesome, man. <laughs> no, no, the, no, the thing with nostalgia is you, you don't appreciate, or you don't appreciate the moments that give you nostalgia until later in the, like, further in the future. Yeah. And I think part of it comes from just physically not being, like, I, I couldn't appreciate kindergarten until, like, later because, like, you know, that, that was what I knew. I, I didn't realize that, like, school would actually, like, get, like, tougher. But, like, <laughs> life kind of sucked for, life kind of sucked for me when I was, like, five or six. Not, so. like, not, like, more so than anybody else. Sure. It's just, like, as a general statement, I think people are, are kind of happier when they're at our age than they were when they were five or six, and they don't really realize it. Because, like, when I was that age, I was, like, pooping my pants, like not about it, didn't know how to properly care for myself. Sure. And so I think the amount of times that I've, like, the, the, the total sum, or, like, my total net time of having, having fun or being in a good mood has increased now. It's, like, greater now okay. than it was then. Um, even though a lot of people would act like it's the other way around. Yeah, I, I think for me personally, it's like the other way around because I guess just the more free time I have, the more time I just like goof around and stuff. Um, yeah, and, and I think for me, it's a pretty direct relationship between the amount of time I have to just kill and uh, my enjoyment that I drive out of a period of time. The more time you kill, the happier you are. Yeah, the more time that I have freely or, to yeah. kill on my own on my own terms. Basically, I like killing time. I I, I, yeah, I really like that too. But I found that like it, it's only kind of fun after you after you do something to compare it with. Yeah. Because if I just like veg at home for like three or four days, mm -hmm. it gets kind of stale and it sort of loses its enjoyment. So I have to like interject it with moments <laughs> of activity. And that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, you can't really appreciate that feeling until it's gone. I guess. So. Hmm. Okay. Let's see what else we've got. Worse than having an abundance. Uh, worse than having an abundance of privilege is paralyzing yourself because of it. Hmm. I feel like I feel like the paralyzing bit could could mean a bunch of things here. Um. I actually need to read this. Yeah. So like, a lot of. Um, I think especially where we grow up, a lot of people are like, don't sort of feel, might feel guilty. Mm -hmm. um, for, for having privilege? Yes. Okay. Um, but it's like, that's just like kind of who you are. Yeah. It's just a part of your identity. Um, what's important is, is how you act. So and how do you, how you use the, the privilege that, that you're given yeah, yeah. To, to create change? Yeah. <laughs> It's like it's like the movie thing. So when I mean paralyzed, it's like uh, when you feel so ashamed of what you have ah. that you don't want to do anything because mm -hmm. you don't feel like you're you're worthy of of the massive privilege comedy. that's been or, yeah, endowed. Yeah. So, I, okay, interesting. Probably not a wise idea to lock you up. Oh no, it's chill. It's chill. Actually, if you want, you can read these quotes. Sure. Right. Yeah. We can trade them off. <laughs> I was... Yeah, the next one says, we've had too many wars and not enough pieces. Pieces is in P... Oh, wait, P-E-A. Yeah, time. Like, peace time. More, hmm. more like a play on words, but I also believe it. What exactly do you mean by pieces? Is it, is it literally just like an amount of time in which yes. we've not been engaged yeah. in war? I think since, at least since I've been born, I don't think we've ever not been engaged in war. Technically, yeah. Yeah, t see, see, the fact that there's a distinction between the technicality of being engaged in war and the actuality of, oh, are we fighting? Yeah, we're not, we're not in, like, active combat. Yeah. In, 
a lot of the places that we're technically at war in uh-huh. uh, for a lot, a lot of the time. But, like, it's still that pressure. Okay. I, I get that, I guess. I don't know. I, I feel like part of part of um, our perception of like war and peace um, is like tinted with like nostalgia. Like remember back in the days when the the U.S. wasn't at war. Like I, I think that that perspective is is kind of strong. Most of our history, most of the years in our history, have been spent in over. yeah. And so, like, what you learn about in school is like, oh yeah, the. The Revolutionary War, War of 1812, yeah. like Mexican-American War, Civil War, so on. That And then there's like, there are this intermittent things, but mm -hmm. that's not really accurate. Because like, if you look at the list of wars, they're like constant. But I think in terms of history, though, I, th I think it's it's the, the wars that ultimately elicit change across a society, right? Like, we didn't fear nukes until like, until the end of World War II. And so on and so forth. We didn't. We didn't. We didn't really understand what terror meant until it it pulled us into a war. Really? Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's. I'm not trying to be like war good here, but like, I feel like it's it's an inevitability. In order for there to be periods of relative peace, there needs there need to be periods of relative war. But yeah. Well, I don't the, think so, because. You don't actually need because peace and war are they're not like opposites. Be, like, so. Think about where we are right now. We're yeah. technically at war, but there's not like an there's not like an actual the place where we're at war at a lot of that territory I'd assume is actually quite peaceful. Sure. Okay. Because there's not like an active even though we're we're technically at war. So mm -hmm. for that reason, I don't think that they're always they're always like polar opposites. I, I, so I guess. I yeah, so that's why I don't. Depends on how you want to define, define like war, right? Because okay, I, yeah, especially like with like how like cyber warfare is going, like the ideas of like traditional like oh you know, fighting with like guns and sticks and shit. Like, I don't think that. Um, the modern definition of war really needs to needs to or really should revolve around person to person violence. I guess that's kind of interesting because like does that would be like a that would be like a struggle I guess like if it's uh, the cyber war but no lives are being lost. Hmm. Um. Well, I mean, if we want to count like drone strikes as a subset of cyber war, then lives certainly. I don't. Are I lost. don't think it is. I okay. think that's like. A, Hmm. Like just because it's a guy like on a computer somewhere in Colorado, controlling a drone halfway around the world, and, I mean maybe it ties in. But... Doesn't make it any less aggressive. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Uh, okay. I mean, uh, which should we continue with? Because I could talk about quotes, or I could. Go back oh wait, yeah. Do, do, wait, uh, what are the other prompts that you were thinking? Uh, other things to talk about, uh, um, like a bucket list thing. I don't. So, so my my bucket list is sort of abjectly empty mm -hmm. for the rest of the year. Oh, of oh, we, okay. You mean like second semester promises? Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely. I, I don't really have any. It's kind of more a question for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually wrote that down. I was thinking we think we could get to that, or I was. If more people had showed up today, maybe I, I, we probably would have done that. But it, it's fair. Yeah, today is the final day of the first semester. So technically the promises that we made to ourselves 13 or 14 weeks ago in episode 4, or episode 4, uh, 5 or whatever, I don't, I don't remember. One of those. Yeah, one, one of the earlier episodes are, are now probably relevant. So um, I, I guess we can talk about those now. So... One of the things I want to do is I, I get a switch once college was settled, and uh, I did exactly that. For once, I kept true to my word. <laughs> um, uh, thing I didn't keep my word on thus far is getting slash staying in shape. Which uh, I mean, I, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna join it's a, a climate, huh? 
Huh? That's a tough one. Yeah, it is. It takes a lot of willpower to, to do so. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I'll make time. You know, I'll, I'll start running and whatever. Um, but as like an update on that, uh, I need to get the membership for the climbing gym still. It's like, no, no, the, the, the thing that stops me from doing so is because I don't have a car. So like driving to, so I'd, I'd probably have to find a, like a climbing buddy. Um, I don't know. Maybe that'll work itself out. But I, I have officially signed up for a half marathon at the end of the year that I in, intend on doing like a, what's referred to as a 13 for 13, so a 13-week training thing starting in like March-ish. So before that, I've got to like actually be able to like run a, run a couple of miles without like dying. Wait, so you signed up for this 13-week training? I just signed up for the marathon itself, oh, and but personally, you're going to do this 13. Uh, with with um with Sachiv and and his his dad and some friends and stuff. So there is commitment on both of those things. I can't really squirrel out. Mm -hmm. That's in, true. In theory. <laughs> yeah, a lot of adults are like, you guys have so much time when you're in school. You right. You should like do whatever you want or whatever. But that's not really true. I don't. Yeah. Think, because we might. It's just not the case because like you don't have a lot of time and the time that you do have you're like so tired I think and that time management is like I mean I, I hear it said at me so much, but time management really is super clutch Yeah I, I actually don't think and I have a quote for this. I actually don't think that time management is very important How so because I think that I, um it's more like a labeling thing, but I guess the more accurate phrase would probably be task management. Because just thinking about it, like how you manage your time, like it's sort of different from how you manage the tasks in your life. I think if you can manage the tasks in your life, I mean, it's not like a fundamentally different thing. It's just like kind of what you call Reframing it. it. Yeah, yeah. I, I get that. What, what were some of your second semester things that... I don't really have it. Really? I can, I can, uh, at least no exciting ones. I mean, one was kind of like to be able to drive, and I'm well on my way to doing that. Yes. That's not nearly as exciting as anything else. I mean, getting a car and driving is, it's a pretty big step, you know, even if you don't want to, even if, if, even if, actually, yeah, it's just a matter of how you frame it. But, um, uh, you're further along than I am. <laughs> so, what exactly are you going to do with this newfound freedom of, of having a car? Not much right now, because first, when I first, like, when you don't have a car, it's like you have a car and then you can do all these things. Mm -hmm. But at least for me, there's definitely a transition time. Because, it, like, for instance, I can't, like, or I mean, I could, but I'd be really uncomfortable going on the highway mm -hmm. so far. I kind of have to work myself up to that first. So yeah. it's not, like, unlimited freedom as soon as you get your first car. I did my 40 hours and everything, driving on my own, but uh, that was spread out over a really long time. Sure. And so on. other reasons um, that sort of inhibit your fluency once you get a car. Um, I mean, statistically speaking, I, I, or I always hear people be like super scared of the highway, but statistically speaking, I can't talk. The, um, the, um... The non-highway roads or like the, the normal town roads are probably more dangerous. Like more accidents happen there. Could be depending on where they are. Yeah, like, but uh, yeah, dense. On, on net, not even dense traffic. Actually, it's just like normal traffic is more dangerous than highways because once you're up to speed, I feel like uh, things do smooth out a little bit. But then again, I haven't personally been in the experience of doing either. I've been told that speeding, speeding on on ramp on ramps and off ramps, is supposedly really fun. Like around those tight turns. Yeah, and like gunning it to get from city speeds or like um, normal street speeds to highway speeds. I've never sped on and on or off ramp because mm -hmm. like that force. Like, I don't want to tip the car. Centripetal <laughs> force. I mean, I, you won't, but it feels scary. Mm -hmm. I get that. And it's also not safe at all, because... Yeah. 
a friend was talking about um, their driving instructor at CS Driving School, and they're like, "Yeah, they he taught me how to drift and or not drift, um, but like absolutely gunned on on ramps and off ramps." And I was like, "What?" And he's like, "Yeah, my driving instructor was like, do that." I'm pretty sure what the driving instructor was saying was like telling them to get up to speed once they get off the on ramp. No, like getting high, like on getting up to speed whilst. Sounds spooky. I don't think you're supposed to do that. Yeah, probably not. But then again, it's CS driving. So Oof. <laughs> did you do driving school or no? I did. CS okay. driving. CS driving. I know it's not a necessity once you're past 18 and going going straight for your license, but how big is the insurance change? Uh, yeah, or kind of, we're like recording a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to phrase this to other people. Like, are, are y'all watching this? Uh, no, we're... Uh, yeah, we're, we're watching the microphone. We're, I mean, we're not here later than... We're actually, it's kind of early compared to when we usually be recording. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Well, um, people always tell us to make shorter episodes, so I think this may be a shorter episode. Maybe. Maybe. Or the longest one. You have to wait and see. Yeah. Whatever. What, what other topics do we got? But I also want to talk about the news. Ah. The news has been packed this week. Oh, yeah, the, the, the epidemic, or not, well, epi- pandemic, actually. What's epidemic, it? and also the impeachment trial. Hmm. Okay, talk to me about your perspective on the impeachment trial. I, I kind of watched the, kind of binge watch it like a TV show when I get home from school. Sure, okay. For the past two days that's been going on, mm-hmm. I'll do it again today. Yeah. Um, even though it's uncertain at best uh, whether um, the Senate will vote to remove Trump from office. Yeah. It's still very exhilarating watching the trial for me uh, because it's so loud <laughs> yeah yeah you're saying sorry oh um, I, th- I think it's still really exciting and exhilarating because especially given the backdrop of taking gov as a class mm-hmm. um, oh yeah totally gov must be so yeah. much more interesting with that yeah exactly uh, makes it much more fun to see these processes in action mm-hmm. there is jumping off the book yeah. In my mind, personally, I've always seen impeachment as a formality, almost, right? Like, yeah, sure, we get, we kick the president, or, or not, impeachment isn't actually kicking the president, but, like, sure, we get one step closer to it, like, what, what now? A year before the actual election. What do? Is that really sub- that substantial? Well, there's a lot of... There's like an insane number of factors to consider. It's like, I don't know, I sort of had a more simplistic view of it, but I guess once you delve more into the, like once you begin to experience the political matters with your own eyes, Mm -hmm. all these other factors begin popping up seemingly out of the blue. Want to be more specific with that? I'm not really sure if I get what you mean. Well, like, as a formality, like the impeachment this year being a formality because the election's only 10 months away. Mm-hmm. Um, well, still, 10 months is kind of a long time, and there's been a lot of information that's been coming through lately. Sure. And there's likely to be a lot more, and there's still a lot of time for him to do a lot of shenanigans. Shenanigans at best. World wars at worst. <laughs> right. What was the time frame from the Archduke being assassinated before World War One and World War One actually erupting in the most formal sense? Wait, the um, I think it was like not. I think it was like less than a month after he was dead, um, he was killed, and then the first like uh, Austro-Hungary yeah. and Serbia declared war against each other. But I think okay. it was like it took. Two or three months before the entire continent was in, was declared war against each other, and that was like 
that was when I think that was when communication was still slower than it is today. So. Oh, okay. So let's cut that in half then. We'll say, actually no, we'll we'll, we'll say we'll cut that into four. So we'll say two weeks for two weeks. one isolated instant to escalate to total world war, assuming that our advanced communication doesn't also work the other way and stop in creating peace before war. I don't know. Maybe I'm. Uh, it's not even being a pessimist. It's, I guess, just believing that the status quo will stay the same for. Or not the status quo isn't like we'll have Trump forever. It's like the probability of a world war happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's sort of interesting because there's two competing intuitions. Mm -hmm. One is like what we see now kind of sounds like what you'd read about in a textbook in the lead up to a really big conflict. Totally, yeah. But it's also like what we are seeing now kind of sounds like all these other things that have just happened before and haven't amounted to anything. Yeah. All these other conflicts and scandals and so on. Yeah. To put it frankly, I don't think we're going to have another Watergate scale event. Even if like something Watergate scale does happen, it won't be seen as as big of a deal as Watergate was. Yeah. I don't know. I think that it's like you don't actually have to do that much to get impeached. Yeah, or yeah. To, com to commit an impeachable offense. And I think a lot of people really overestimate what it takes to get impeached. No, but um, even beyond the scope of impeachment, I think in terms of historical events, like we're not going to see like an Archduke, like we're, we're not going to see like an Archduke assassination level high profile political assassination. We're not going to see Pearl Harbor happen again. We're probably not going to see that. That's very optimistic. I mean, that's probably... Like, we're not going to see another... Like, these historical events that we saw in the past, like, they may replay themselves in a smaller scale, but personally speaking, they probably won't ha happen in the same scale to cause the same conflicts that they caused in the past. I don't know. Like, when you say that, and then there's something that comes up that eventually does spark a big conflict... You could just, like, attribute it to something else. Sure, yeah. Until mu much long after the conflict ends, and then the textbooks say it was this thing that started mm. it. Because it I wasn't think, just the assassination. I think that the next... Yeah, yeah. I think the next conflict will probably be sparked by a cyber strike or cyber offense of some sort. Maybe. I feel like that. that's... Because... It's like... um. Actually, wait. I, I think, logically speaking, right... Disasters create the future countermeasures against the same disasters playing out again. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So, I think we haven't had any substantial disasters that led to conflict in cyber, even though we've been building cautiousness as we go forward. I, I guess so. I mean, we, we live the future the way that we've dealt with it in the past. Mm -hmm. So we can't... It, we don't know what the next... Like, we don't know what the next, how the next conflict would arise. Mm -hmm. It's possible to speculate, but it's just like, in all these instances in the past, um, when something has happened, it was a totally new phenomenon that caused that a lot of the times. Not all the time, but much of the time. So, yeah, maybe, maybe it would be, because that hasn't happened before, I don't think. Hmm. So, what are your thoughts on on the uh, disease or what, what's the virus called again? Corona. Corona, yeah, the coronavirus outbreak. I'm not that. I'm not that concerned about it. I don't think that. I mean, I think a lot of the times when there's a disease, people get like a very strong phobia about it. Mm -hmm. Like Zika and stuff. Yeah, and um, and and like Ebola. But yeah. For the purposes of our country, the effects were very minimal. I mean, they were, they were terrible diseases and still are prevalent. Um, Ebola is still, like, taking lives. Yeah. Um, but I think for, like, the coronavirus in China, I don't think that it will live up to the worst fears that people the have hype. about it. Yeah. <laughs> 2020, I, 1920, going it, back. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, the way I see it, the, the World Health Organization's response, as well as the the, yes, the WHO, and the Chinese government's response to the, the outbreak, 
seems to be of a larger scale, um, or like a, a bigger response, like straight up quarantine, like the, the cities, like not only a ghost town, but like the cities around it are, it seems bigger than I uh, would have anticipated for some, for uh, a couple of people getting I'm infected. like at most 250 or something that are confirmed as infected. Yeah, I feel like it's bigger than that in actuality, though. I think it's being downplayed to an extent, and the actual, the degree of uh, the degree to which the government is acting. I mean, it, so long as it's contained, it would yeah, definitely benefit the United States. Benefit if China's if China's acting in an aggressive and competitive fashion to have a country deal with an internal conflict and strife, such as uh, an illness. Mm-hmm. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. Uh, but it's an outcome. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, what else has happened this week? <laughs> I feel like... I think that we definitely are in the... Not the end game, but like the the start of, of big things happening. I think... Every decade has big events. I think our the 2020s will have these crazy events happening sooner than yeah than than most people expect. So let me just say that I'm extraordinarily pessimistic about the future of the world. Sure. About the future of our country and the world. Yeah. But I'm optimistic that I will die before any really tragic and bad things happen. <laughs> That's uh, that I'll die from from old age. Oh okay okay. Now you're saying like because that's like some next level pessimism. <laughs> um, yeah. Hmm. Just gonna look up something. What's I gonna look up? Oh, R slash news. <laughs> Always a good, good way to see what's going on. Um, specifically for the uh. About the coronavirus, I can't talk. My computer's also... I'm like, surprised that hmm? you're more focused on the coronavirus than the impeachment. Um, I don't know. I, I think this whole impeachment process, maybe it's because of how it's been moving. Because it's like, it's if you actually watch the thing, I mean, it's, it's, it's very encouraging, I think. Yeah, totally. But like, okay, so... Trump gets impeached and then convicted and then booted out. What now? Uh, Pence takes office and not much gets done for the rest of the presidential term. And I don't think he can run again for office right after. Yeah. He cannot. I don't believe so. But yeah, Pence so can. Okay, but he is not as appealing to voters. Sure. I mean, he doesn't really know how to work the media as well as Trump or even as well as some of the, some of the Democratic nominees. Uh-huh. Okay, so let's say Pence takes office. Um, it's a slam dunk for the well, Democrats. I mean, probably, in terms of probability, it probably won't happen. Yeah. Then, then what, what crazy revelation happens? Because I, I think that the last year, um, Trump hasn't actually been as great at getting administration, or um, not administration, legislation through his as uh, he'd, he'd like to have been. Yeah, but also it's been a very disastrous recent like uh, time for Trump. And like already significant damage has been done to his reputation to be among the, the boys, the Apeachy boys. Yes. <laughs> to, um, it will put a very bad mark on his place in history already. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna grab some water real quick. Is it pause? Uh, no, it's fine. I'm, I'm just too lazy to pause it. But this is loneliness part two. <laughs> Alright.
that was our intermission. All righty, let's. Oh, geez. My computer is at 5%. Okay, let's try to think of some titles. Hmm, vaguely considering the sounds of silence. Have you watched Parks and Rec? No, I haven't. Uh, what's the reference? Because in it, they have this like podcast or like some radio show, radio talk Ooh, show. Ooh, okay. Where these they're these two guys. The title of the show is called Ira and the Douche. <laughs> um, and it's like like the exact opposite of what this podcast was, where they're like these two like loud, noisy, rude, rambunctious fellows. Sure. Blasting like fart noises into the mic. <laughs> okay. So, what, what was the title thing? I read the douche. If you want. Hmm. As a juxtaposition to the... Very quiet. low-down vibe. Kind of like that. I was just, I'm just grasping at straws, but if you have a, a more fitting one... Then... I, I don't think I do. I think that... Yeah, I like that. All right. Ira and the douche? Yeah. Ira and the douche. Okay. Cool. It's like, yeah. I-R-A and the douche. Like, sure. the douche is the name of one of the characters. Really? It makes cameos like, repeatedly throughout the show. Okay. <laughs> That's that then. <laughs>